Hello, 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 hello. This is R.C. Blakes, and I am so excited today to be able to share with you once again, once again from my heart, and my prayer is that um, you are in a place where you can really see um, all of the positive things that God has in front of you. I have something that I want to deal with today. I want to address that is powerful and uh, I believe life changing. I think when you understand, um, when you understand some of the things that we're going to discuss today, uh, it will improve your life immensely. I want to talk today about lust. Understanding, you know, really when it boils down, getting to a place where you understand the difference between lust versus love. I think this is where most people uh, run off of the rails in life in terms of relationships. It's that there's no real clear revelation of what love is versus what lust is and lust is always lurking to lure you in into its trap and you know when you think about it um, even from the very beginning with Adam and Eve um, Satan Lucifer lured even with what looked good to the eye it was good to look upon and then he lured her in with you know this thing will make you powerful and so it was her selfish ambition it was her desire for things that would gratify her gratify her but would not glorify god that lured her in and then she used her influence to lure Adam in. And so from the very beginning, we, we see indirectly um, the power and the poisoning of lust when it comes down to uh, mankind. Now, if you turn your Bibles to um, Matthew uh, chapter 22 verses 37 through 39 it says Jesus said unto him thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind then he says this is the first and great commandment and the second is like unto it thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, what I call this particular text here is the proper order of loving. And when we understand what love is and the proper order of loving, it is then that we eliminate the potential for lust. Um, camouflaging itself as love. Notice what he says. 
Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Love God with everything that's in you. He says, um, this is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So you love God, you love yourself, and then you love your neighbor as you love yourself. But the loving of others, the desire for, for others, is uh, has to align itself with the love God has for me and the love I have for God. And then out of that context is the love I have for myself. I begin to love myself like God loves me. And it's from that context that I begin to love my neighbor. But I love God with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my mind. But when we fail to master loving in the right order, it is then... The, the concept of love, the process of love, is perverted into things like codependency and lust. And then we actually believe that this is love. Especially when we come from a family context that does not demonstrate real love. It's very easy for a person to wander off into the world and to conclude that sexual attention is some form of love. And the reality is it is nothing but what? Lust. Now, love versus lust, the great deception of lust, the great deception of lust. This is important to deal with because so many people male and female today, are being taken in by the great deception of lust. You have men that think that women, certain women love them. And it's not so much that they're lusting after these men sexually, they're lusting after what you can do for them. Or you have so many women that believe that this man loves me because of what he says or you know, how he's attracted to me. I know he loves me. And it's really nothing but a, a deception. Now, lust, let's look at this. Lust boils down to, uh, relative to defining it, lust is a strong desire for sexual gratification sexual or sensual gratification because one can lust after food <laughs> food even lust is lust is a strong desire for sensual gratification it is a strong desire or drive for pleasure so when a person has a strong desire for pleasure and they view you as being the one that can fulfill that pleasure. They will um, camouflage that base desire, that animalistic desire. Uh, they'll package it in what um, comes across as love. Maybe it's being communicated as love. But the reality is it is nothing but lust that is that is uh, moving 
to lure you into gratifying them personally. And usually when that lust is fulfilled, they move on. Now, what is love? Lust is a strong desire for some sensual gratification. It is a strong desire or drive for pleasure. Love is a strong feeling of affection and concern toward another person. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a strong affection that you know that arises from things like you know kinship or close friendship. It is a strong feeling of affection and concern for another person that may be accompanied by sexual attraction. But love does not start at sex. It may lead to a sexual attraction, but it does not start there. Any relationship, so-called relationship, that starts on the sexual frequency usually ends poorly because authentic relationships start at a place apart from sexual drive. Now, there may be some attraction, but love typically starts at a place that is deeper than the surface. Love is a feeling of devotion or adoration. Love is the, love is the thing that endures the test of time. You see, when when a man marries you because you're 36, 24, 36, uh, and, and time happens and menopause comes and your 36, 24, 36 turns into <laughs> 42, 52, you know, 48, love empowers that man to transcend the transition that you've gone through. If a woman marries you because you're, you know, you're 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 six five and you you're forty eight chest and you are a thirty two waist, well, if she really loves you, love will transcend that time when your thirty two waist turns into fifty eight and your forty two uh, chest or your forty eight chest turns into fifty six. Because love transcends the external. It transcends the temporal things. But lust, whenever there is a shift in those things that are pleasurable, lust is turned off. Now, I wrote this, and I want you to hear this, love versus lust. Love has, love has, uh, moral boundaries. Lust has no moral limitation. Love has moral boundaries, while lust has no moral limitations. Love is fulfilled, while lust is never satisfied. Love gives while lust constantly takes. Love builds while lust breaks. Now, I want you to listen to this because I need you to really ponder and think about 
these situationships that many of you all are in is this love or is this lust you know i i want them so bad i want them so i know this is love mm -mm. Mm -mm. love is patient i think the bible even says that love takes its time love vets a situation love does not take a person out of uh, his or her ability to control themselves relative to the uh, dictations of wisdom. Whenever you find yourself carried away and out of control, and I gotta rush into this, and I—that's lust, babe. That's not love. That's not love. Now, the uh, the anatomy of lust—it it feels good. Lust feels good. I promise you it does. And I know some of you are so saved and spiritual that you don't remember that. Lust feels good. Promise you it does. Lust looks good. And lust feeds your ego. It feels good. It looks good. And it feeds your ego. Love, love makes, lust makes you feel like I'm the man, you're the woman, you're the boss chick. It feels good, it looks good, and it feeds your ego. And anything that feeds your ego, E-G-O, edges God out. And right now, there are some of you that are watching me right now who have edged God out. You have been driven by your lust to the point that you have abandoned your principles, your values, your standards, your self-respect. You've abandoned it for what? Lust. It has edged God out because it feels good. It looks good and it feeds your ego. Now, the Bible says in 1 John 2 and 16... For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. He says all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Those of you that talk about your type, when I try to correct you in terms of all of these horrific relational choices you're constantly making over and over and over again and you won't listen to nobody. Keep telling me about your type, but he not my type. Last 10 dudes you had were your type. And all of them beat you upside your head, took your money, and left you shame and embarrassed and wasted up years of your life. You know where your type come from, comes from? The lust of the eye. That's where your type comes from. You're not even looking beneath the surface. You're not checking out the spirit or the heart of a man. You're just looking at what you see with the eye. And it goes both ways. Some of you brothers keep on choosing women that will never be a wife. And just constantly take your money. You thought you was a player. Lose the L. You're nothing but a payer. Because you're driven by what? The lust of your eye. You're not praying, you're not thinking, you're not discerning. You are driven by lust. 
and lust is highly deceptive. Lust is highly, highly, highly deceptive. Now, if you go to 2 Samuel uh, chapter 13, I'll read verses 10 through 15, but you need to read the whole story, which is a lot of verses. And I've talked about this before. But there's a, there's a young man here by the name of Amnon who has a half-sister by the name of Tamar. They are the children of King David. They're half-brother and sister. They have different mothers. And Amnon has in his mind that he is attracted to his sister Tamar and she's a virgin and he desires to have her sexually. And he thinks that while he's being driven by this lust, he thinks that he loves her. He really believes that somehow he loves her. But he does not. It is lust that is driving him in this situation. And if you look in uh, 2 Samuel 13, 10 through 15, it says, And Amnon said unto Tamar, well, he, this is the way he set this up. He, he played like he was sick. And you, you'll read this when you read the full context. He played like he was sick. He asked their father to have his sister Tamar to come and take care of him. When she got there, he put all of the people that were in the house out of the house. He asked her to bring him something to eat. And he was just luring her into uh, a vulnerable position that he might take advantage of her. And here's what it says in 2 Samuel 13. 10 through 15, and Amnon said unto Tamar, Bring the meat into the chamber that I may eat of thine hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the chamber, chamber to Amnon, her brother. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said unto her, Come, lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, No, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. This is immoral. This is perverted. No such thing should be done in Israel. Do not thou this folly. And I, whither shall I cause my shame to go if you do this to me? And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, speak unto the king, for he will not withhold me from thee. It was, it was legal for half-brother and sister to marry in that time and in that culture. Howbeit he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly. So he started off, when you read the full context, you see where he loved her or said he loved her so much. He's raped her. Now he's fulfilled his lust. Now the Bible says he hated her exceedingly. Watch this. So that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said unto her, Arise, be gone. Now he wants to um, discard of her. He's used her. He's abused her. He's disrespected her. He's dishonored her. But he's fulfilled his lust. 
And now that his lust is fulfilled, he wants to discard of her. But you see, that is the deception of lust. Now, I got to say this to you, um, beautiful sisters. Got to say this to you. There are a lot of men who will make you feel like they love you so much and they'll pursue you. And watch this. Sometimes there's no limit on how long they'll take to pursue you. And they'll play the role of, you know, I love you, I adore you, and all of this kind of thing. And then once they get you into a position to compromise your values and your principles and they have you, the same man will tell you to get out. I don't mean to be too graphic in this situation, but uh, if you if you check out these, uh, you know, um, situations that you have that come through once a week and have sex and move on and you sitting there praying that, you know, this person loves me. The clearest sign that this person doesn't love you is that they rush into your house. They rush you to the bed. They have sex with you and they rush to put their clothes on and to leave you. That's the clearest sign that this was never love. This was always lust. And there's some of you, unfortunately, who are old enough to know better, but nobody's taught you. And you're in that situation right now where a man calls you the same time every week, comes into your house the same time every week, and he has sex with you. And every time he's done, he finds a reason to run away from you. He won't, eat, he won't even Netflix and chill. He just going to have sex and go. Because it's what? Lust. It's the deception of lust. And you have to be wiser than one that is taken in by lust. You have to stop being so needy of approval, affirmation, you have to stop being so needy of someone to say to you, you're beautiful, or so forth and so on, that you continue to fall for lust, and you never identify love. Love makes you better. Love adds to you. It does not subtract from you. But if you continue to be taken in by lust, you know what will happen? Lust will always preoccupy your life, and every time love shows up, you'll be unavailable. Love will show up, and lust will always occupy the space and the place that love was trying to occupy. Now, when you are taken in by the deception of, of lust, what happens is your perspective on life is skewed through, uh, through pain. It is skewed through um, low self-esteem poor self-perspective, poor self-image. And so there are things that you become subject to that a well-adjusted, well-informed, and enlightened person knows better than. You know, there was a time when I was younger and much, much more foolish 
full of folly and driven by lust myself that um, I didn't know the difference between love versus lust. I didn't. And I thought every woman that was batting her eyes at me really loved me. This woman really loves me. I didn't understand that women, you know, just like we enter into those bogus situationships uh, with our ideas of what we're going to take, women have their own ideas of what they're going to take. And just as much as a man thinks he's using a woman in most cases, or in a lot of cases, should I say, a woman many times is using a man. Because when you are when you are broken and when your perspective is not holy and righteous and healthy, you see life through a different kind of clouded lens. And so lust has a way of passing itself off as love. Now, let's get into... Let's get into the heart of this lesson today. Love versus lust. Number one, the physical connection of lust, sex, is often misinterpreted as love. When you've not been when you've not been loved properly, when you've not been loved authentically, the physical connection of sex is misinterpreted as love. You, 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 you can even conclude, you may conclude as a woman, because a man has sex with you, that it means that he loves you. Or because a man desires to have sex with you, he really loves you. Can I tell you, a man, a man may have sex with you continuously and hate you. A man having sex with you is no indication that he loves you. Brothers, in fact about it, um, a woman having sex with you is no indication that she necessarily loves you. However, in most cases, when a woman lays her body down, she really does have some affection for the man and she has hopes that this will be something real. I think in more cases, brothers use sex as a smokescreen for their deception. But it does go both ways. But I'm speaking primarily to the woman right now. Sex does not mean love. Because a man wants to have sex with you once a week, twice a week, does not mean love. He may just literally enjoy your physical contact. He may enjoy your body like that. And he may be using you for just that, just the sex. It does not mean, just because a man wants to have sex with you does not mean love. It does not mean love. The greatest love you can see demonstrated uh, amongst humans are people that have been together for 50 and 60 years and still hold hands and enjoy one another's company. More than likely, they're not having sex. But their, their love for one another is most beautiful to behold. Sex does not mean love. In the Bible, and I've shared this before, but I can't share it too much. In the Bible, the story of Jacob and Leah, his, his, his wife, uh, reveals some powerful truth. Jacob literally 
the Bible says, hated Leah. He was married to her, you know, not by choice. He was strict into marrying her. And the Bible says he hated Leah. He hated her for a few reasons. Even though he hated her, the same Bible talks about how she continued to have children for him, which means what? He was having sex with her. He hated her. And the Bible uh, suggests that she was not very attractive to him. And even though he hated her and didn't like the way she looked, he kept having sex with her and he kept making babies with her. Because lust can be misinterpreted as love when sex is involved. You see, that, that's why I encourage you to slow down, stop being so hot, and relax yourself, and give yourself an opportunity to really discern the heart of a person before you jump all in the middle of the bed and get all of that, all, all that stuff rushing to your brain and get all of your hormones working and get all of your emotions confused. And now you believe because uh, you know, person grunting and all of this kind of thing that it means that they love you. Genesis 29, 31 through 35 says, And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, that allowed her to have children, in other words. But Rachel was barren. Now, Rachel was her sister who uh, Jacob initially wanted to marry, but Rachel was younger than Leah. So the father of both of them tricked him into marrying Leah first. And then he had to work seven additional years to actually have the hand of Rachel. Rachel was the one he actually wanted. He didn't want Leah. And so the father tricked him. And so the Bible says, And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And she conceived again and bare a son and she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. But notice he hated her, but he continued to make babies with her. Because a person can have lust for you and have sex with you and not even like you. Jacob didn't even like her, but he kept having sex with her. That's what lust will do. Lust will use you even if it doesn't like you. Now, number two, the euphoria of lust is addictive. I, I remember so vividly when I was a young man, um, driven by lust, driven by lust, and had so many soul ties. I was caught up in man. I was sleeping with so many women, and literally, man, I was. I would run all evening long into the night because I would be coming home when the sun was coming up. 
get home and take a you know have a few hours of sleep or whatever and then there I am making plans for the for the next day because the euphoria of lust is addictive that's why um you married people you have to be very very careful about uh these so-called uh platonic friendships and you know in your own heart that there's there's something lustful stirring up in your heart about this person and you talking about that's just my friend oh let me tell you something you are setting yourself up for a fall that many people never recover from because lust is euphoric you know that when that flesh get to, you know, and that, that drive get to happening, you know, and there's something about the euphoria of lust is addictive. It's addictive. And you'll find yourself caught up in situations that you can't work your way out of. If you look in Proverbs chapter number six, uh, verses 23 through 27, it reads like this. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life, to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Listen to what verse 25 says. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom, and his clothes not be burned? Now, interesting, <clears throat> excuse me, text here, <clears throat> because he asked the question, you know, can a man take fire into his bosom and not be burned? If you've seen, you know, people for, for generations get burned by fire, why, why would you play with it? But yet we see men that are constantly losing their lives, losing their reputations, losing their careers, losing their ministries, playing around with lust. It's because, why is it? Why would a man jeopardize that? Why would he risk all of that? You've worked this hard for so long and you're going to leave out of the confines of your marital covenant to go and sleep with somebody that you're not married with and lose everything when you've seen men who are, in many cases, far greater than you get toppled over. What drives a man to take that kind of risk? Lust. That man is driven by lust. And when, when lust takes root in a person's heart, lust is addictive. It's like a drug. Lust is like a drug. And some of you need to really hear what I'm saying to you now because the devil is working overtime to lure you into a trap that you won't be able to get out of. Now, the sexual addiction that lust um, many times produces creates a sexual soul tie to a person that feels good to you, but is toxic for you.
this is how you, you end up in relationships where um, you know this person is of the devil. You know this person um, does not have a good effect on your life. This person is dragging you under, but you're drawn back to them. There's a sexual soul tie. And that sexual soul tie many times is driven by the addictiveness of the lust. This is why you cannot play, you know, with certain things. You can you can follow your your, your little uh, inferior friend circle that you got and, and do what they're doing. But when you get caught up in this kind of stuff, it's easier to get drawn in than it is to get out. If you go to uh, James chapter number one, uh, verses 14 and 15, it says, but every, he says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. When lust is through with you, though it is, though it, though it is addictive and it feels good and it feeds your ego, when lust is finished with you, lust is not satisfied until it has killed everything about you that the creator has designed to produce fruit for him. If there's anything that we, we must get delivered from, it is the spirit of lust. <sighs> now, number, uh, I guess this is number three. If I'm off in my numbers, forgive me. The deceptiveness of lust. Your moral standards are shattered by lust. Your moral standards are shattered by lust. Things that you never dreamed you would do. Once that spirit of lust is awakened in you, your moral standards are shattered. Now, this is the kind of teaching that I, I, I normally do in, in father-daughter talk, you know, Young women need to really understand this. When a man wants to string you out, and I guess it goes both ways because women do it to little green men too. But when a man wants to string you out to a point that you no longer have control of your own faculties, you, you can't even make your own decisions, but you're managed and maneuvered by, uh, by, by the lust he's brought you into, what he does is, he, he entices you into a sexual relationship. You may say, oh, I don't want to do that until I'm married. And he'll just talk you into a sexual relationship. And then once you kind of give in and he's broken your defenses and you give in to the sexual relationship, the next thing he'll do is he'll continue to push your limits. You'll, you'll start off by saying, I don't want to, I don't want a sexual relationship. And then next thing you know, he's talked you into that. Then next thing you know, he's talking you into things that you never dreamed you would do. And he just keeps on pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing because the aim is to use the lust to obliterate your moral standards. 
Lust will shatter your moral standards. And once he gets you out there and gets you hooked on lust and your life is driven by lust, you become a person that you don't even recognize. Lust will introduce you to parts of yourself you'll be ashamed to meet. Lust will have a woman giving away husband benefits to boyfriends. Lust is like quicksand. It's easy to fall into and may never be exited because your moral standards will be shattered by lust. Once once a man gets you out there and gets you full of lust, you won't hear your mother, you won't hear your father. Fact about it, not only are men um, deceiving women with lust, lesbians are deceiving women with lust. Get you out there and get your, your nose open and do things to you that you've never had done to you before and get you hooked on that, that uh, sin, that lustful lifestyle. Hmm. And before you know it, all of your moral standards are shattered. Everything you was raised up to believe, everything you read in the Bible, you find a way now to try to twist it and turn it into something else because your moral standards have been shattered by the lust. Many, many, many times people have been deceived and didn't realize it, thought it was love and somebody's just Awakening your lust so that they can man manipulate and manage your life. And before you know it, you're completely out of control. Now, the poster child for the lust trap is David. King David. Because King David saw another man's wife and took her as his own. He lusted after that woman and David divorced himself from all of his moral standards. This man was one of his soldiers. This man was at war fighting David's war. He was faithful and loyal and David lusted after this man's wife when he saw her. And David had this man's wife and that lust drove David. Let me show you something. In 2 Samuel 11, 2 through 5, it says... Uh, let me get there. In 2 Samuel 11, 2 through 5, it says, And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent, uh, he sent and he inquired after the woman. And one said, is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. Now David was in position for this temptation to happen because he was not 
where he should have been at the time. They were at war and David rightfully should have been at war with his army, but he's lounging around the house looking at stuff he shouldn't even be in position to look at. And lo and behold, he sees this woman and lust comes alive in him. And somebody says, this is Uriah's wife. So he knew she was married. He knew, he knew who she was married to, but the lust destroyed all of his moral standards. And look, look what the Bible says in 2 Samuel 11 and 1. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the children of Amnon or Ammon and, and besieged Rabbah but David tarried still at Jerusalem. That's why he was there to be tempted to develop the lust that destroyed his moral fabric or fiber or constitution he was out of place. And usually when you're out of place, when you're, when you're with people you know you should not be with, when you're in places you know you don't belong in, that's when the enemy sets you up and causes things to come alive in you that are designed to destroy you and separate you from your moral faculties. If David had been where he was supposed to be, this was the time that kings went forth to battle. But David, rather than being where he was supposed to be, he sent men and he stayed lounging around the palace and saw what he should not have seen and did what he should not have done because lust came alive in him. And the story goes, when you read the whole story, the story goes that the woman got pregnant. David sent for her husband Uriah to come home off of the battlefield, hoping that he would sleep with his wife and they could blame the child on, on uh, Uriah. But Uriah was so honorable. He said, while my brothers are dying on the field, I will not enter into the pleasure of my wife's bed. And so then David had to have him killed. And so what happened was David sent, get called Uriah to the palace, gave him a letter to bring back to the leader of the army, sealed letter. And the letter said to the leader of the army, put Uriah out front so that he may be killed. So David murdered the man. He impregnated the man's wife, then murdered the man all because of lust. Because lust will separate you from your moral constitution. And then finally, lust diminishes your capacity to accept or to give real love. You continue to allow your life to be driven by lust Lust diminishes your capacity to accept or to give real love. When, when, you, when you're constantly, you know, engaged in lustful relationships and you don't allow yourself time to heal and to purge from all of that, and that's what you're accustomed to, it's going to be hard for your soul to accept anything pure and healthy. The reason lust hinders the capacity to receive love is because love comes from the spirit. 
and lust is all flesh, while love is of God. I pause right there because I need you to think about what I just said. There are some of you right now who are being tempted and carried away with lust, but lust will diminish your capacity to accept or to give real love. When a woman has been accustomed to men that just use her for her body, when she finds a real man that will love her, not for what's on the outside, but for what's on the inside, lust will position that woman to a place where she can't even appreciate. She'll be unattracted to that man. Lust creates cycles and patterns in relationships that don't end well. Jesus met a woman who had been broken through lustful relationships. And it kept, you know, the cycles kept repeating in her life. That woman that was at the well. Listen to what the Bible says in John 4, 16 through 18. Jesus saith unto her, go call thy husband and come back. He asked her that because he wanted to hear her answer. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that says thou truly, lust establishes strongholds, paradigms, or thought systems which feed the soul ties created by the lust and generates momentum away from godliness. Because lust diminishes your capacity to accept or give real love. So you say, when you've been accustomed to nothing but lustful relationships, you say, oh, he's a nice guy, but, but I'm just not attracted to him. It's because your soul is broken. <sighs> Lust makes a man break the heart of a good woman. And it makes a woman shatter a godly man that loves her for a sexual clown. Lust makes a woman refuse a king and settle for a clown and a crown. The Bible says in Psalms 81, 11, and 12, says, but my people would not hearken to my voice and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up unto their own hearts, lust, and they walked in their own counsels. He said, they wouldn't listen to me. So I gave them up to their own heart's lust. They walked in their own counsel. It's a bad thing when you're counseling yourself from a broken place. Because lust destroys intimacy. Why does lust destroy intimacy? It's because intimacy deals with the inner chambers of a person into me see lust always stops at the shell of the person lust lust is captivated by the wrapping of the package while intimacy is looking for the content lust is not interested in the content it is only concerned with the packaging so lust destroys 
intimacy because it does not allow a person to look deep enough to see into you or open up enough for you to see into them. And so my prayer is that in some way this message has helped you to see some things, maybe some traps that have been set for you, maybe some things that you've walked into, now you need to come out of it. I want to pray for you before I let you go today. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for the revelation of this truth, though parts of it, dear God, have been hard to uh, utter and probably hard to hear. Now, Father, my prayer is that you will supernaturally give power to those, dear God, who are struggling with this right now. You know I've been there, Father. And the same grace that delivered me, Father, I thank you for delivering that same grace to them. In Jesus' name, and I give you praise, glory, and honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Don't forget now to go by my website. Don't forget to go to my website and sign up for my mailing list. Don't forget to check out all of my online programs. And uh, don't forget to check out all of my books on Amazon. All of this will be a blessing to you. And just know, just know, from my heart to yours, Lisa and I love you with all of our hearts. And you know what? We are going to make it. It's going to be all right. I know some of you are sitting there and you're saying, but this message has shaken me. Don't worry about that. We are going to be all right. I love you. Until next time, I'm R.C. Blaze.